Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we're going to be learning a thing or two about pharmacy and inefficiencies of pharmacies. So without further ado, Eric, Eric, welcome on board from Capsule. How's it going? It's fantastic, Alejandro. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. And how do you how do you spell your last name again? Because I always have uh, issues with with last names. Sure, it's K I N A R I W A L A. And how will you say it? Kinariwala. I love it. Look, my, my wife has even has even given up uh, calling my name. He, she calls me Alice, so no more Alejandro. So, uh, you know, I, I, I deal with it every day, so it's okay. So any, anyhow, Eric, um, I wanted to do a little bit of uh, walk through memory lane uh, with you. So you went to Wharton uh, for doing your undergrad, I believe, and then you went to Stanford to do your MBA. So not bad at all. So I, I wanted to ask you here, how helpful would you say it has been the the network that you've built from from these schools in order to really you know get things going and 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 yeah and leverage it? Yeah, it's been tremendous. I think I've had you know the the really good fortune of being able to go to the two best business schools in the world and uh, and they've both been you know were at different points in my life and I think were were really helpful for different things. You know, as an undergrad, just got. Uh, you know, just got really great fundamentals around business and finance and, uh, and, and obviously met just a ton of really smart people. Uh, you know, I graduated in 2005, sort of not quite at the peak of the financial bubble, but pretty close. And so, you know, my network from there, uh, has primarily been in the financial services, consulting, banking, um, kind of, kind of industries. And then, you know, four years later, uh, decided to move out to California in the heart of Silicon Valley and, go to business school at Stanford. And, you know, that network has also been tremendous, really broad, um, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, venture capitalists, uh, you know, folks that are doing um, a lot of different interesting things. And I think it's been um, really powerful to be able to draw on that network for advice, for uh, for support, for recruiting, for talent, um, for a whole bunch of different things. And so um, just a really tremendous experience. That's amazing. By the way, just out of curiosity, because sometimes I guess lecture at uh, at Wharton. Did you take the class of uh, Professor Tyler Rye? Uh, I don't think uh, I don't I don't think so. No. Okay. Cool. Teach? Yeah, I think it's entrepreneurship. 
So um, uh, anyways, you know, perhaps he was uh, listening to this episode and, you know, he might get mad if I didn't ask the question. So so anyhow, Eric, so let me ask you this. So you went to Bain. That was your first uh, job. You were an analyst there. So what kind of work were you really doing uh, while you were at Bain? Um, yeah, so I worked at Bain Capital uh, in Boston right after right after graduating from college and worked in one of their hedge fund groups. Uh, investing, you know, across a whole bunch of different things, um, you know, investing in retail companies and healthcare companies and technology companies. Um, but really the sort of, the, you know, the the foundational experience there was really being able to blend um, this incredible, uh, you know, this incredible framework around strategy and markets and what makes a good business model and and, and what are good businesses and bad businesses and how do you evaluate management teams and and what are effective management teams and structures that are all the great things that you know the folks at McKinsey and Bain and BCG have developed over you know 20 30 40 years you know all of that DNA and knowledge and process is what Bain Capital has been founded on and I got to combine that with um, with actually learning how to invest and kind of putting my money where my mouth was uh, and I thought that combination was was really really powerful it wasn't just you know, let's make a PowerPoint deck and recommend something. It was, let's do the analysis. Let's really understand what's going on. And then let's see if we're right. Uh, and let's get really tight feedback loops um, with what the markets are telling us, uh, whether we've made the right judgment call or not. And I think that combination was pretty rare to have, you know, just a couple, you know, just right out of college. And so, so super grateful, just an amazingly well-run organization. And I can't even imagine that, for example, for you being able to see all these different businesses and see, like you were saying, like what separated the good businesses from the bad businesses, what kind of patterns did you kind of like recognize there? You know, I think the best pattern that I, you know, that has stuck with me is just that, you know, great, uh, you know, great teams create great businesses. Um, and that is, you know, that is sort of, that is one. Um, and I think two is that, you know, great markets create big opportunities. And so for me, you know, I think I'm fortunate that that Capsule uh, hopefully has both of those things. Um, and I think I think that's a lesson that has just stuck with me um, from early in my career that, you know, it's 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 a lot about, um, you know, it's a lot about, uh, you know, great team, you know, great market um, and, and laser focus on whoever your customer is. And continuing to deliver value, you know, time after time after time. Like there can be no good business um, that's sustainable if you're not satisfying your consumer, you're not in an attractive market, and you don't have exceptional people operating the business. Right, right. And then after this, uh, your your next job was Perry Capital. So this this was more like um, hedge fund type of structure. So what were you doing there? Uh, you know, I was there. I was also investing uh, in retail companies, healthcare companies, and technology companies, uh, and with a with a different lens. Um, where you know, where Bain Capital was very markets, uh, very like industry, uh, very industry focused, very uh, sort of business model focused. Um, you know, what I learned. You know, what I learned at Perry was you know more being in the markets day to day. You know how price and valuation of different things work, um, and got a really Kind of front row seat to you know probably what was the greatest set of investment opportunities you know in the last you know seventy five years since the Great Depression um, in two thousand and eight and obviously super painful financially for everybody um, but you know from a learning standpoint was just an incredible place to 
be able to see what when what happens when all of the rule book gets thrown out the windows and when there's no pattern to match because nobody had lived through uh, a financial cycle like that you know since the great depression and you know that was a really empowering thing for me being you know in my mid 20s um to really appreciate that you know at that moment even people you know CEOs of of large banks you know didn't know what was going to happen next uh and it was sort of this like very interesting empowering equalizer feeling that um you know maybe it's not uh you know maybe it's not all about the experience that matters it's it's it can be about other things age isn't a proxy for for skill um and and that there are kind of different ways of doing that and i think that was a really empowering thing to be you know young and and kind of see what can happen when um the the traditional way of doing things just gets upended got it got it and obviously you know i also i was going to talk about now about capsule and, and how the idea came about but i always think about ideas as uh, buses that they come and go and And in this case, for you, you decided to to get into that bus when the idea of capsule came to you, and and those ideas they take time to incubate and 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 to process them. So so walk us through how that experience was for you. How did that happen? Yeah, okay, so I so- had uh, I had I had moved to London uh, after business school, and I moved back to New York, and I was living on the Lower East Side, at Rivington and Essex, in uh, you know Lower East Side of Manhattan, and I woke up one day with this crazy headache, and I called my doctor and. Uh, and he asked me some questions and he said, you know, Hey, you have a sinus infection. I'll write you a prescription, go pick it up at the pharmacy. And I said, perfect. And so I walked to my, you know, corner pharmacy at, uh, you know, for, for folks that live in New York at uh, Delancey and Orchard and everything, you know, everything that could go wrong with the pharmacy went wrong. Uh, and I have this pounding headache and I can't find the pharmacy and it's in the basement of this store and the escalator is broken and my mobile phone isn't working. And, Uh, you know, there's 40 people in line ahead of me and, you know, my head is still exploding. And so anyway, I wait in line, I get to the counter, I ask the pharmacist for the prescription and she tells me, you know, they're out of stock. And I'm like, it's January and it's a Z pack and why don't you have it? And this whole kind of just uh, series of headaches. And I ended up just going home with no medication in hand and, and going to bed. And I woke up the next morning and I had this, um, you know, I just had this moment, like, what is going on? Like, how could, you know, how could the experience of getting something so simple as a Z-Pack be so terrible and broken um, that I wasn't even able to get it? And how is there a pharmacy on every street corner in America? And is this happening to the millions and tens of millions of Americans who go to the pharmacy way more than I do? And so I just started digging in and I very quickly realized that, you know, My headache was actually millions of Americans' headaches uh, with the pharmacy, and that the pharmacy is actually the most frequent interaction in the entire healthcare system. And the pharmacy is, you know, the second largest category of retail. It's three hundred and fifty billion dollars, or seventy thousand stores. Um, and and that was just a crazy realization for me. And that combined with the fact that I just viscerally understood how broken the system was. Um, you know, just, I had this compelling, you know, pull that, you know, this was something that I had to make better. Uh, and that's kind of the origin of capsule. Got it. So then obviously at that point, when you had that encounter, you perhaps started to do some research, to speak with people. So what was that process until the moment you said, I'm going to go for this? You know, it was pretty quick. And I think, um, you know, that's where my, you know, my previous background, 
you know, as an investor, you know, getting really good at analyzing markets and business models and, you know, can we do that? And so when, you know, I did three things, basically, I said, one, you know, what is, how do you, you know, what are, what are the actual problems? You know, what, what, what actually is broken? And what I learned as I dug in and started speaking with other people who take prescriptions regularly, go to the pharmacy regularly, uh, I learned that this problem was per- pervasive, that people hated waiting in line, that people frequently went to the pharmacy and their medication was out of stock. Um, I learned that, uh, I, you know, I learned that people don't know the price of their medication until they pay for it and they get to the pharmacy counter, that it's actually incredibly hard to get expert advice from a pharmacist. Uh, and then I started talking to other people who interact with the pharmacy, uh, doctors and people that work at health systems and uh, folks that work at pharmaceutical companies. And I learned that they also have a headache with the pharmacy. And so it's not just my headache and it's not just, you know, the millions of consumers who go to the pharmacy have headaches, but actually everybody that touches the pharmacy, it causes a headache for. And I set out to design like what that magic pill would be. And that's kind of the experience that we designed at Capsule. So the first thing was really deeply understanding the consumer problem and the problem that exists for other people that touch the pharmacy. The second thing was obviously understanding, you know, the regulatory environment, like how would you actually build this? What technology do you need? What's the product experience to solve these problems? Uh, You know, what are, you know, the kind of how much money do you need to do that? Uh, And then the third and, you know, maybe most important thing was, hey, what kind of team do I need to put together? Um, Because I know that all successful companies are only as good as the teams they have. Um, what kind of team do I need to put together uh, to really be able to solve this problem in a very compelling way that, you know, millions of people will want to use uh, something that is better. Um, and so that was a kind of a three-step process and kind of took a couple of months to, uh, you know, to really get confident that I knew that this was a real problem for consumers and for doctors and for everybody um, to understand the regulatory environment, to understand actually this is the product we should build uh, and this is how the regulations impact it, and this is how much capital it will take. Um, and then to start really start identifying, you know, who would be the key team members, who would be excellent at uh, at the early stage of building um, what is an incredibly complex uh, business. So, so what was the founding team then that uh, that you decided, hey, you know, these are the people that I need, and 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 who did you get on board to to execute at the beginning? This is going to be built around three pillars. Uh, it was always going to be built around a modern technology platform. Uh, it was going to be about an emotionally resonant brand, uh, and it was going to be about a pharmacy that treats you the way your mom would treat you, right? Somebody that would always look after you. So the first three people on the team were, you know, what I think is you know, your kind of model, ideal, prototypical pharmacist, warm, non-judgmental, uh, you know, engenders trust, looks after you, and cares for you. Um, the second person on the team uh, was, you know, a highly experienced uh, technologist that had built you know, trading systems at banks in Switzerland and mobile apps for, you know, really kind of viral apps in New York. Um, and then the third person was, uh, you know, a woman who had spent her entire career uh, in building, you know, incredibly engaging and powerful consumer brands. Uh, and that was actually like a really powerful, uh, you know, early team to have uh, for this business. Got it. Got it. And so what ended up being the business model? Uh, is what we've done is we've built a pharmacy experience that's quote unquote you know 10x better than uh, you know than what exists out there. And so what we offer today is a completely digital and seamless pharmacy experience for the consumer. 
Uh, you can use it in two ways. One is if you have a prescription already at another pharmacy, uh, you can just download our app or go to our website and you can put in five pieces of information and Capsule becomes your pharmacy. And from there, we offer you know, free same-day delivery uh, in, you know, in, in tight two-hour windows all through New York City. Uh, you can chat or text with the pharmacist. Uh, you know the price of your medication in advance. You know why your doctor prescribed it. Uh, you can click into the uh, to the website or the app and get uh, drug details and information. Um, and it's you know it's the only uh, you know it's the only uh, digital pharmacy that you can actually transact in uh, you know from your phone that's mobile first. Uh, and that's a hard thing to build to make that feel really really easy. Um, and so the team's done really well. And from a business model perspective, what we've done is we've said going to the actual pharmacy is awful. Why are there so many pharmacies? Why do they spend so much money on rent? And what happens if we actually didn't have, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of stores and we took all of the money that you invested in rent and we put that back in hiring better people who can care for you better. We put that back into beautiful design and we put that back into technology to make the experience seamless. And so that's exactly what we've done um, as we've inverted the business model. We've said we don't need, you know, tens of thousands of stores, what we need are better people using better technology to look after people uh, in a more thoughtful and better way. Got it. So what were some of, one, once you had like already understood what you needed to be doing, you had the team, you knew the inefficiencies. So you, you, you got started with the business and this was actually fairly recent. It was in 2016. Is that right? Yeah. So we launched the business in 2016 In May of 16 is when the, you know, first, uh, first customers started using capsule. Got it. So what were some of these early days like? What were some of the challenges that you guys were tackling? Oh, my God. How long do we have? You know, every every uh, every early stage business is a series of challenges. And, you know, you're waking up every day and you're just knocking them down one by one by one. Um, I would say, you know, in the early days, I think we were very lucky to have very strong word of mouth between consumers uh, who have been learning about Capsule from their friends. Um, but also from a group of doctors who had learned about Capsule and realized how much, you know, how great it would be um, to share that with their patients. And so we had this sort of pretty early flywheel going where doctors were telling their patients about it and patients were telling their other doctors about it. And there was this like really nice flywheel that had started forming. And so, you know, some of the early, uh, some of the early challenges were, you know, making sure that we set the team up the right way. We were hiring, um, you know, we we're hiring people uh, fast enough. Um, some of it was around making sure that we built the right kind of operation software to let the business scale pretty fast. Um, and so, you know, how do you go from the early days of the least, you know, the most minimum viable product that you want to launch with and how do you kind of make that more robust over time and what's a pretty tech, yeah, pretty operationally intensive business? Um, I'd say those are probably the two sets of big challenges in the early days. Got it. Got it. And also, I mean, uh, with uh, with with the folks that I that I speak with as well that are to a certain degree either in fintech or healthcare, I mean you also have to deal with the regulatory challenges, right? So what what has been your experience? I mean you already knew this from the investor side because you were investing in this kind of businesses, but I guess more as an operator, like how how was the experience for you? Yeah, so the business is obviously highly regulated by uh, you know a number of different people through. Um, you know, through the U.S. Uh, kind of regulatory agencies. And I think it's just a part of, you know, it's, it's something that we've done a good job, I think, in the early days of just weaving through 
the kind of DNA and fabric of the company is to make sure that, you know, the regulatory piece of it is, um, you know, is, is embedded. Uh, and, and that was what, you know, the, the, you know, the early, you know, the early pharmacist that was on the team, um, was, you know, well-versed in, in some of the regulatory items. And, uh, and we also, you know, I think we're fortunate to just have like really good lawyers to make sure that we weren't doing anything we weren't supposed to do. Got it. Got it. So then at, at what point did you guys say, say, okay, I think it's, it's time to start raising some money. Yeah. And so, you know, this business is interesting in that it, you know, we, you know, I had basically raised, uh, the money, uh, in May, you know, in May of, of 15 to basically get started. And, you know, if you think about what you need to get started in this business, um, you need to build a pharmacy, uh, and you need to sign a lease and you need to construct your pharmacy and you need to buy drugs, uh, and you need to have inventory and you need to hire people, uh, you need to build a brand. And so, uh, I had raised the first round sort of concurrently with me really saying like, this is what I'm going to spend the next, you know, decade or more of my life, uh, doing. And, uh, and so we had done that in, in May of 15, we spent a year building out the rest of the team the brand, the technology, the regulatory permits, everything. Uh, and then we launched the business in May of 16. Got it. Got it. Because right now, how much ha have you guys raised in total that is publicly uh, reported? Uh, we've, uh, we've raised, uh, there's $70 million of capital into the business. Got it. Got it. And I saw that you guys have great folks like Thrive Capital, Sound Ventures, Seven Global Capital, just to name a few. So how did you meet these guys? Uh, I got to know the Thrive guys uh, who are who have been just wonderful partners for us from the very very beginning. Uh, you know, over uh, the the couple years before you know deciding to start Capsule, you know, being in New York um, and had just got introduced to them through a mutual friend and um, had just really um, come to appreciate their perspective on both building. Uh, or, or at least helping build and investing early in sort of what I would call, you know, emerging iconic brands, things like Harry's and Glossier uh, and Warby Parker, but also um, their their knowledge of healthcare uh, through Oscar and, and a number of other investments. And so the combination of the consumer brand piece, the uh, healthcare experience, and then obviously talent and recruiting is the whole thing in the early days. Uh, and they just have incredible, you know, incredible networks and, and have been really helpful in, in, in kind of building, uh, you know, the team out here in New York. And that's how I got introduced to them. Um, and they've been great. Um, and then the sound ventures guys, you know, had met through again, mutual kind of mutual relationships and, and got to know Ashton and, and you know, he's super passionate about healthcare. Uh, and, um, and it just made sense. And he's been really, really thoughtful and supportive over the last several years as we scaled the business. Got it. Got it. And, and obviously you were coming as well uh, from the past on the investor side. So, so I am sure that you had a clear idea of what was that ideal profile of investor that you wanted to have as part of your business. What, what were those uh, non-negotiables that you had in mind? I think the non-negotiables are always, you know, I think about every, I think about all of like the entire business model has to be, I think about everything in our company is needing to be aligned, starting with your values. And so I think about, you know, your values and your objectives and your strategy and your tactics and the metrics you measure all have to be in alignment. 
Uh, and I think that's super important when we evaluate the people we ask to join the team at Capsule and the people we ask to leave the team. Like if there's not alignment around the values, nothing else works. And I think your investors and your board are exactly the same way. Like if your investors don't share your vision for the future, if they don't share like what you're trying to do and how and why you operate, um, it's a really tough road. Uh, and so that is the number one thing, you know, when we ask people to be partners of ours on the capital side, um, is we want to make sure that we are always um, values aligned and vision aligned around you know, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And how are we doing it? Um, and if those three things are in sync, um, I think it can be like a really powerful partnership. And if those things get misaligned, um, you know, I think it can be a really challenging journey. Got it. Got it. And what about like on the, um, you know, scaling side and, and especially at the beginning to really kickstart things in the high gear? I mean, any any fun growth hack uh, strategies that you guys did? I mean, I know for a, for a fact that I continue to see you guys on taxes here in New York City. So I'm just wondering, like, any any initiatives that were, like, fun to share? Yeah. So, you know, the out-of-home is, is super fun for us, and it's really fun for the team. Uh, it makes our business come to life, uh, and it makes it really tangible. It also happens to have the nice primary benefit of being highly effective for our business in creating credibility, awareness, and trust. And so, you know, this is a business. This is, you know, Medication is something you put in your body and your kid's body. And so, you know, it has to always come from a place that is super high trust. And that's our number one lens when we look at growing the business. Um, and that's why we think, you know, things like out-of-home advertising, things like uh, doctors being evangelists for capsule and recommending to their patients are the best way, you know, the, the best ways of learning about, uh, about capsule. So I don't know that there's been a growth hack. Um, but I think we've been really thoughtful about how we've constructed the brand and how we've, um, you know, sort of made people aware of what Capsule is and how it works uh, and how you use it. Um, and and you're right. Hopefully, I'm glad that you see it on taxis everywhere. That means you're remembering it. Yes, for sure. For sure. So how many employees do you guys have now, Eric? The team is uh, just a little bit larger than 250 full time. Uh, and everyone is here in New York City. Got it. Everyone in New York City. Everyone's in New York City. Really cool, really cool. So so you started in 2016, and now you have all these, let's say, 250 employees. I mean, that's really, really impressive. So I guess, I mean, as well as founders, you know, you, you, you tend to change from cycle to cycle, you know, of the business. So I would ask you here, like, how would you say that, for example, yourself, your management and your leadership skills or style have changed over time in order to really adapt to the growth of the business? Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been a learning, it's been an evolution, it's been a journey, and it's been a really, I think, it's been just a really, um, it's been a really meaningful and, uh, you know, and, and, and fun sort of process to kind of evolve myself along with, you know, the business evolving. And I think the biggest difference is probably, and this is unfortunately not, something that I made up, but it's something that certainly resonates with me, which is sort of when you go from working on, when you go from working in the business to working on the business. And so, you know, that transition I think is super hard for founders, at least founders that are peers of mine. Um, and we've had that, you know, we have that conversation around like, you know, when do you feel like, you know, you, you always need to at some point kind of say, 
I'm not the guy making all the product decisions and I'm not the person, you know, doing everything to just kind of brute force, get the, you know, get the thing off the ground. And you have to start thinking about how do you design the organization to enable other people to do their best work and be successful. Um, and so thinking about and implementing, designing the communication architecture of the organization, what does org design look like? Do I have the right people and executives in the right places? How do I find them? How do I recruit them? How do I motivate them? How do I incentivize them um, so that they can you know, produce excellent results uh, over time? And I think that role sort of shifts from, um, you know, from the person making sure that you have product market fit and that consumers really want it and driving that early growth to shifting to making sure that there's clarity and alignment through your entire company and organization around what is our vision, what is our mission, what are our goals, and making sure that every person uh, that joins the company that's at the company, you know, has a deep sense of clarity around, you know, what the company's trying to do, why we're trying to do it, and how we're going to do it. Got it. Makes sense. And 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 to this to this end, I wanted to to follow up and and ask how how, for example, what have you learned from being able to onboard people so quickly and also in a way in which you can guard your culture and at the same time embrace it without any impact? We try to be very, very deliberate about how we onboard people. Um, and we have a very structured onboarding process where, you know, all of the senior executives at the company spend time with, you know, once a month, uh, uh, once a month when people join the company, we make sure that there's exposure to all the senior leaders in the company and that um, and that there's, you know, pretty deep conversation around, you know, how every part of the organization works, no matter who you are or what function you're in. Um, and so if you're in engineering, we think it's super important that you still understand the brand and what the brand means and what a brand is, um, even if you've never been exposed to that or you may not directly, uh, you know, day to day be working on that. And we think that's how you get the best results is where everyone has a lot of context and shared consciousness around you know, what is the business and what are the goals? And so we put together a really structured onboarding uh, process. Um, we have a pretty big, uh, you know, we're pretty big on making um, and encouraging people to read uh, before they join Capsule to give them context on what's an incredibly complex industry uh, and to share some of our values and some books that we think highlight those values. Um, so I send everybody that starts a Capsule three books. Um, I send them uh, the Checklist Manifesto, uh, I send them a book called On Wings of, e on, on Wings of Eagles, uh, and we send them a book uh, by Danny Meyer called Setting the Table, um, four books. Uh, and the last one is called Who, uh, written by uh, a guy named Dan Smart. And, and, those, four, uh, and those four books uh, are uh, highlighting different, process, different parts of our culture uh, and things that I think will enable us to be successful. And so that's all part of the onboarding process and the culture we're building and have built uh, here. Love it. Love it. And, and I think, you know, going to, uh, I mean, you're mentioning now the reading, uh, and, and we were talking about before, like how you have been able to adapt yourself to the, to the growth of the business as well, because for you, obviously, I mean, this is the first uh, rodeo and, you know, it's a steep learning curve regardless, but obviously the first business also is a, is not easy, but I wanted to ask you here, like what in your case, like when you were about to make like really solid informed decisions about a strategic initiatives or, growth initiatives or whatever that was, what have been your, your typically your go-to resources? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I assume you're talking externally, right? Like it could be a, I don't know, like people, maybe like you've built a board of advisors or a board of directors, or maybe you have 
certain books that that really helped you or I don't know how how whatever helped you, I guess. Sure. I'd say there's three things. One is and I encourage every founder when you know when the company can afford it to get an executive coach. Uh, and so one is a you know work with a coach and I think you know everybody needs an external perspective on their performance. Um, right Tiger Woods has a golf swing coach. Uh, and it's and I think it's just so important um, to be able to get external feedback and perspective on on the whole variety of challenges, but also managing your own psychology. And so that's been a really powerful tool that's been productive for me. Um, two is it's kind of lame because every startup founder says this, but I do think the the two best books that I've read, um, like Ben Horowitz's "The Hard Things About Hard Things," is is just like really really true and always rings true. Uh, and I think it's just awesome and excellent. Um, uh, and then I go back often to, uh, uh, there, there's kind of two classes, uh, at Stanford, um, that, that I took with, uh, one was a, with a professor named Joel Peterson and the other, uh, with a guy named Jim Ellis, both very successful entrepreneurs and teach, you know, management and entrepreneurship classes. And those notes, uh, are always super helpful um, from a class called Managing Growing Enterprises and the other ones around uh, sort of uh, early stage venture backed businesses and just just some of the really tactical things that come up day to day in managing, um, you know, a, a relatively large team. Um, and then the third is I lean on, you know, uh, I'm fortunate to have a really strong set of peers throughout my, you know, kind of from through throughout my whole life, um, many of whom have kind of Men, successful entrepreneurs, um, others who are in, you know, running companies at similar stages. Uh, and then we put just an awesome, you know, the, the board we have here is, is really wonderful and has a ton of experience investing in, you know, some of the best, fastest growing companies in the world. Uh, and so they have a lot of perspective as well, um, between Thrive and, um, a firm called Gladebrook Capital that that's, uh, another one of our uh, capital partners. Got it. Got it. So, so where do you see capsule in the future, Eric? Capsule is positioned to be, you know, the hub of healthcare and the pharmacy is the most frequent thing you do in, in, in your health. You know, people use the pharmacy more than they, you know, five times more than they go to the doctor. And what I always think about and what I always wonder, uh, is when I look at the home screen of my phone and anyone's phone, there's everything else you do in your life on that home screen. There's a map app, there's a transport app, there's a way to get a taxi, groceries, take photos, chat with your friends. Uh, but there's no app on your phone and there's no real estate on your phone devoted to the most important thing in your and your family's life, and that's your healthcare. Uh, and it's crazy that that doesn't exist. Um, and that needs to be you know, the go-to high trust uh, brand that you go to to get anything you need with your healthcare, whether that's your prescriptions, whether that's seeing a doctor online, whether that's booking an appointment, whether that's buying non-prescription products. Um, and so the vision for Capsule is to be, uh, you know, the first choice when people think about their healthcare to be that hub uh, and to do that not only for consumers, um, but to help connect consumers with their doctors, uh, with pharmaceutical companies, with hospitals uh, and with drug companies. Got it. Got it. So <clears throat> that's amazing. So if you and I always ask this question to, to guess. If you could go back to the past and give yourself advice before launching a business, right? I mean, let's say if you were on day one of, of Capsule, knowing what you know now, what piece of advice, one, what that one piece of advice would be and why? It's a really good question. Um, I think it would be to be more confident earlier. 
And, uh, and I think that it's, you know, it's a, I think it's sort of like, it's a scary thing, uh, to start a company and it's a scary thing to take other people's money. Uh, and it's a scary thing to hire people who sort of their livelihood depends mm-hmm. often on the decisions you make. Um, but I think that, you know, I think that founders often like underappreciate how much that they've kind of rolled an idea over in their head. And so it's kind of like that old, like you can become an expert in something if you think about it and are practicing and engaging it for 10,000 hours. I think most founders get to that 10,000 hours very, very quickly. Um, And so I think it's trusting your intuition, uh, trusting your gut, and it's moving fast and right based on those things. Um, and, And to have the confidence to be aggressive um, when what you're seeing in the business and the team and the momentum kind of demands that and not to stutter step around that. I think it's just being, you know, fast and right. Got it. Got it. That's, that's really cool. So Eric, what is the best way for folks that are listening to reach out and say hi? Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, at E Kinariwala, um, is probably the best way. Okay. Fantastic. Well, Eric, it's been a pleasure to have you on the dealmaker show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great to spend time with you. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.